Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Vin, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, and we'll have a little fun along the way. AJ and Vincent chat with Carl Wells, Chief Subscriptions Officer at Dow Jones. He talks about how marketing in different countries and continents makes for an interesting challenge while staying relevant and appealing to each different audience. Vincent looks forward to warm San Antonio weather in the winter, and AJ pronounces Vincent's last name correctly. Give it a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. I, of course, am your overly happy class of 1996, class happiest I was, ladies and gentlemen. So here it still transcends transcends till now. Um, it is so good to be back here. Of course, Starista, who are we? Let's get that out of the way. We are a marketing technology company. We focus on identity. We have our own business-to-business data, our own business-to-consumer data. Companies utilize us for our data. They want to either email to that data, get new customers, new webinar signups, new subscribers. We also own our own DSP called Adster. We do connected TV, OTT. Email me, vincent at starista.com. That is how confident I am that we can help. The other thing I'm confident in, ladies and gentlemen, is my commander-in-chief, my CEO, Mr. Ajay Gupta. What's going on? Winston, that's a, that's a first. You, you got my name. Yeah, I did. I know it's like I was going back. It, it, sometimes it rolls off the tongue naturally. Sometimes I have to, you know, because I've known you for so many years. Yeah. Right. And I'll probably come back to AJ. I probably will. I've known <laughs> you for what, 11 years now, but we're both in our 20s. Well, were we? No, I wasn't in my twenties. You were, I think, were. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to be. I used to be in my twenties once. So it's been once m- many moons ago at the conferences we met each other. So yeah, AJ, AJ. Sometimes you know, but still, my last name you haven't gotten. But it's okay. We'll we'll get there. Pietrafessa. Oh wait, you know what? You must have looked that up. Uh, you have an Italian friend who's in visiting, and you got that one right. Yes, it is. You know, Petrafessa, Pietrafessa. Uh, I'll take either, just like AJ Ajay, right? So either one. Yep. Good to see you again. The holiday party is right around the corner. It is. We're, we're getting together. This episode will probably come out afterwards, so hopefully I didn't do anything stupid at the holiday party, but it, it'll be good to see you in uh, San Antonio. It's going to be 87 degrees. It's the only time I'm like, you know what? I'll come out to San Antonio. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Aaron Grote, who's uh, based out of Minnesota, and uh, he told me it was negative two there. So this is uh, yeah, this is, is no comparison. We're fortunate to have good weather. That's exactly right. He, Aaron Grote, is our he heads up our digital division, and yeah, he's not coming in. He said, "I, I wish I was coming in because it's eighty-seven degrees and it's negative two in Minnesota." But yeah, that's insane. That is absolutely insane. It's like, it was like 32 degrees over here. I have my ear warmer on, just my ear warmer because I don't want to mess up my hair. I have a scarf. It's crazy. And I was freezing. I can't imagine negative two degrees. But looking forward to seeing you. This, let me talk about this next guest, AJ. This is a first on many, many levels here at the Marketing Stir. This is a first where we have someone of his title, Chief subscription officer. I was like, that is a cool title, but more cool than that is 
why he's on the podcast, right? I'd asked him to be on the podcast. So my son, Hudson, goes to a school. He's four years old, and he goes to this little school that it costs a lot of money. But anyway, that's a whole other podcast. We'll talk about that all the time. But anyway, the what you know, the dads get together. You meet different dads. You hang out. And I was like, oh man, you know, I like this guy. He's a great guy. I like, I like all the dads. And we got to talking. It's like, what do you do? You know, what people do for a living, and you know, and all the other dads, finance, 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 and and me marketing. And and Carl mentioned these, you know, like Dow Jones and the chief subscription officer. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I said, you know, we do a podcast. We have people on. I would love to hear your story. So here we are. We made it happen. We're very happy. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'd love to welcome a warm marketing stir. Welcome the chief subscription officer at Dow Jones, Carl Wells. What's going on, Carl? Hey, Vince. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, AJ. How you doing? Doing great, hey, Carl. We are, uh, you know, happy to have you, Carl. So that is a unique story, I think. I mean, a your title. We'll get to that in a moment. But you know, just a bunch of dads hanging out and and talking, and we made this happen. We made it happen. Good, we've got good taste in schools, Vince. <laughs> we do. We do. I know. I say that it is a great taste. It's it's it is a great school. I always joke around about uh, in you know any anything. You know, it's, uh, it's New York City. It's New York City. You know, my coffee I had earlier was like $7.89. But anyway, it's awesome to have you, Carl. It's uh, you know great getting to know you. But then again, like I said, we started talking. Like, you know, tell me about what you do. So now, Chief Subscription Officer. That's, I've never heard of that before. And our listeners are getting to hear that, which we're happy to introduce them to. But talk to us about the role Dow Jones, the Chief Subscription Officer. I'd love to understand some of the publications and the properties of Dow Jones as well. Yeah, well, why don't I start with um, with, with Dow Jones then as a as a business? Um, I guess the most common misattribution of Dow Jones is that people think we're the index, and we're we're not we're not the index. Um, we are a, a global um, provider of news um, and business information to decision makers around the world. Um, we have both a consumer offering, um, so we have the kind of flagship is the Wall Street Journal. Um, we also have Barron's, we have Market Watch, we have Mansion Global um, and Financial News, which is out of out of London. And then we also have professional, so our B two B offerings too, which are the news wires. Um, we have a Factiva, um, and we have a risk and compliance business. So, so yeah, two sides to the to the house: B B two C and and B two B and um, the chief subscriptions officer role um, lives on the consumer side of the house. Interesting, interesting. And Carl, we always like to ask this question for all of our guests is how you got into, I guess you call it marketing, right? I mean, you said part, part of what you're doing is marketing and, and getting people interested, you and your team to the different publications there. So how did you get into this business? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's a it's a function it's a function of marketing. Um, and so, yeah, how did I get into marketing? Um, I I was actually doing a, a a very a very nondescript degree at university um, called human geography, um, and thankfully there was something useful in that degree through our kind of electives. So the, the you know the the um, 
classes that you sit that aren't you know core to your to your degree and marketing was one of them and i was like oh man i should have done a marketing degree um yeah these this is right in my in my in my ballpark um and then and then yeah then there was a bit of inspiration for my sister so my my sister um she moved down to london and she got a job um for pepsico and um, pepsico own um walker's crisps the finest chip um in the world if you ask me um mm -hmm. Uh, and she became yeah brand manager there, and um, so, so and she's a bit older than me. She's like six years older than me. So I could kind of you know uh, the the theory that I was studying at university, you know, you could kind of see play out in practice in terms of what she she was doing. So that was really the the, the inspiration, and then kind of left university, went down to London, and, and that's really where the, the the journey started. But it started at a, a media agency actually back in in two thousand and three. Carl, you've lived in New York, Sydney, and the UK. So how is uh, marketing uh, compare across these different places? It's a, it's a great question. And the, the short answer is very, very different, um, very, very different markets. And, um, you know, I'll give you a, a couple of examples, I suppose. And, and, well, the, the overarching theme, I think, is that um, it's easier to get brand fame um, and it's much less expensive <laughs> to to reach kind of brand fame um, in in the UK and Australia than obviously than it is in the in the states. I mean, Australia is a country of what 25 million people, so it's smaller than California, it's smaller than Texas, it's just a bit bigger than Florida. So it's much easier to reach you know a much high a high proportion of the country in one you know swoop of a you know, digital and TV campaign um, and with relatively small budgets when you think of it on a global level versus what, you know, would be spent in, um, in, in the States. And I guess the UK is somewhere in between, I'd say, is kind of between kind of the, the US and, and, and Australia. Um, you know, and I did my, you can see I did my homework here on population stats. And this is a link there to my, my degree, by the way, human geography was a lot about population and people. So I'm, I'm reliably told by Google that um, the, the UK has a similar population of California and Texas combined. Um, so, but still, you know, a drop in the ocean relative to the, to the state. So I guess what, one of the, one of the intricacies that you kind of have to be careful of in the UK is just around, you know, the UK is made up of Scotland, Ireland, yeah, Northern Ireland, England, and, and Wales. So as a marketeer, you kind of have to be, you kind of have to be tuned into the different, you know, kind of regional um, uh, differences. And, and, and actually sometimes like accents that you use in your marketing, you know, can, can sometimes put off certain audiences and, you know, and, and be pleasing for others. So neutral accents um, is, a, is, is, a good, is, a, is a good kind of uh, uh, tactic to use. Um, and in Australia, they just love to laugh. So just be funny. Um, you know, humor is a huge part of, 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 of marketing in, in Australia and they have a lot of fun with it. And in terms of the marketing side of things, uh, what are some of the channels that are working for you and some of the strategies that are currently working? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, as a, as a publisher, um, you know, we, we have no shortage of, of, of assets to market. Right, you know, our journalism. In some respects, you've got to think about our product. It's like our product starts the day almost empty, right? Um, and every day, our product changes, right? Depending on what what's what's kind of in the news and, and what's in the news cycle. So, from a marketing perspective, it's it's less about 
you know, do we have something to market? It's more about, you know, an embarrassment of riches, right? What, 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 what should we market? And so there's a, there's an art and, and a bit of a science to that in terms of, you know, what, what we choose to market and to whom. Um, so we have our kind of structure is we kind of have an in-house um, kind of media team and an in-house in-house creative team on the performance marketing side and on the bigger kind of above the line brand marketing kind of we, we work with agencies but on the performance marketing side those two areas are very closely um, kind of linked to the output of the newsroom because ultimately our product is you know what, what what's what, what's in the news so it's you know it's a it's a machine um, in terms of distribution like it's a paid distribution machine you know there's there's you know upwards of 20 30 you know different ads and ads being you know both a combination of of, of driving a, a direct response but also showcasing you know specific articles that have been written um, you know that day or, or or that or that week and and I guess one of the kind of challenges I think we've found over over the years is 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 that you know to, to reach the same number of people um, and all those distinct audience groups, your channel your channels have to start to diversify. And I think the days of saying you know you stick Facebook and Twitter on a media plan and you know and, and a bit of YouTube and jobs are good and um, you know I, I think is is changing and there's much more I think diversity now in in just within the social space of of, of where people are showing up and then you've really got to think about well you know what's the how does the brand show up in that in that environment? And obviously, it's going to be different for TikTok versus Reddit versus Twitter versus YouTube versus Facebook. Um, so, yeah, a real diversification, I think, of, of channels, which is kind of driving a diversification of spend and making our jobs more interesting, but maybe a little harder than 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 it was, you know, say five six years ago when you know it was probably arguably more more focused. And, and Carl, you're talking about five or six years ago in some of the marketing that you know has brought you into today let's talk about the past two years right it, we'd love to address this well we don't love to address it but it is what it is the past couple of years during the pandemic how has your marketing changed where did you have to pivot new channels channels that maybe didn't work anymore i'd love to hear about that yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good question. Um, I think first and foremost, the the pandemic kind of led to a, a flight to quality. We we would say right, people people wanted factual, um, trusted information sources, and we lean into that, right? We you know we the tr trust is kind of at the heart of what we do as a as an organization. You know, if you you've got to trust you trust your source and that helps you kind of trust your decisions right like you'll make the right decision if you if if you trust the information that's coming from from the source that you're that you're reading and in those two years there was if you just think about it yourself like how many micro decisions did you have to make in those in in that time period and we're still doing it now right so we you know the, the the current campaign out in the world for the wall street journal is is, is trust your decisions you know you, you'll see on billboards it will say you know trust your source trust your decisions and and then that's kind of the, the brand headline but then you can work quite nicely with content right where you almost pose questions you know do i stay in the city or do i move to the suburbs you know do i um do i do i stay in do i go back to the workplace or do i stay working from home there's there's all these kind of micro decisions that, that people are having to make and I think the role of our we, we've kind of find a connection between the questions that consumers are asking and then the role that our, our journalism can play within that and that really is through that kind of pillar of trust 
um, and and decision making, and and that's kind of the campaign that's out in the world world today. Yeah, I love that campaign, and I, I kind of want another question during during this time: how people are consuming media, how people are consuming publications in general. I always feel that because commuting, a lot of that commuting has been cut down, right? On the train, people physically reading a Wall Street Journal, looking at their phones and reading their the news on their way into work. You know, how, how has that changed? What have you noticed about it? Yeah, I mean, in the in the early kind of part of the pandemic, you know, when we were, you know, we were all in lockdowns, um, Interestingly, um, you know, it's not, it's a well known thing, right? That, that print circulation, you know, globally and within the US over the years is, is fallen as consumption, you know, patterns have changed and, and gone, become digitized. I, I think during the pandemic, it was, it was interesting. We actually didn't see any drop in circulation. Circulation was pretty much flat. And there was definitely almost a renaissance for, you know, the analog experience in, in, that, in that sense, which kind of makes sense, I suppose, when you're, you know, glued in and, and onto Zoom calls all day that, you know, you, you actually might appreciate the kind of analog experience. I think also it also shows that, you know, in some respects, like commuting, commuting is a, is a, is a consumption pit stop for a newspaper, but it's also a, um, it's also a barrier to reading a newspaper, right? Because if you're sat behind a car, you know, car steering wheel, you're on a train, you're on a bus, you need, you know, it's, practically more difficult to read a newspaper. So I think as, as people's commutes kind of got eradicated, it probably made, you know, the prospect of reading news on a printed sense easier. So that's, that, that's, that's the print side. I think on the, on the digital side, you, the, it's interesting when you kind of look at the consumption trends, you know, the, you were used to, you used to see, you know, a big spike in the morning, a spike at lunchtime and a spike when people got home from work. Those spikes that exist, but I'd say they're probably more more like hills than mountains. And you know, the consumption patterns of people were definitely stretched out across the day as it became more easy, I suppose, to, to access something other than work. I mean, is that a, does that mean that, that people were spending less time working and more time reading the journal and Barons and Market Watch? Hopefully, um, but, but yeah, I mean, we you know we saw a, obviously a, a surge in demand um, over that over that time period. As as I said, that flight to quality, you know, um, you know, resources that, that we provide became really important during during the, that well that first three months. And honestly, even since then, you know, the, the demand for journalism is still is still pretty high. Yeah, Carl, I, I grew up in India where even now when I visit, uh, newspapers are a common part of everybody's day. It's uh, almost every family gets a couple of different newspapers that come in print. So um, it's, uh, it's kind of great to see when I'm back in India. Yeah, morning and afternoon, right? Is that right? Yep, yeah, yep. yeah I, I did a bit of work. Yeah, we, we did a bit of work into India and, and, and saw that trend still, still yeah. existed, which was nice to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in terms of kind of the uh, surge in subscription you were talking about, uh, do major news events, do they affect subscription? So if uh, something happens in the world, do you see a kind of positive correlation with uh, subscriptions going up perhaps? Yeah, so it's one of those actually, um, I think a lot of people in my type of role in, in publishing, um, you can go, you, you can kind of, it's a, bit of a, it's a predicament, you can go one of two ways, right? You could say that, you know, a mass news event, um, like the election or, or COVID 
should be a time where you sample more of your journalism, right? You've got all these new audiences coming into your product. That's the time to sample, you know, because these people won't be ready to buy yet. The flip side of that argument is that, well, you've got suddenly a master man for your product, like tighten everything, don't, you know, put everything behind a paywall and make people pay. And, and you kind of, yeah, you, you do, you see kind of slightly different um, responses to major news events, depending on, on, on the publisher. Um, I think for, for us, you know, COVID was, was very much a, 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 you know, a time when we could, we also saw ourselves as, as almost a service to the public. Right. And, you know, that's, and, and so putting everything behind a paywall was not the right thing to do. We actually did the opposite. We created a lot of free resources to, to people. Um, a lot of, you know, people had a lot of questions and we had a lot of answers. So, you know, the kind of Q and A element of, of what should I do, you know, what does this mean, you know, became resources that we that we put in front of the, the, the paywall. And, and I think it is, it's a fine balance between, you know, giving people enough access to swim around your product and read your journalism, but not so much that it means that they don't want to, you know, come and, and subscribe. And there is, an, there is a science to paywalls, which I could probably talk to you about for an hour, but don't worry, I won't. Um, that, you know, the, 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 and, and, that, and paywalls are obviously a, you know, a key part of the technology stack of, of any good publisher, but, but they help you kind of almost balance that, um, you know, need for sampling, but also with a need to drive, to drive sales. Well, so talking a little bit more about the kind of the science of subscription, do you think uh, there's an art to uh, increasing subscriptions as well? Oh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, listen, you need both, um, you know, a good, a good subscription business, especially in, in, in publishing is, is an element of art and an element of science. I think, I guess if I compare it, if I go back in time and, you know, subscript, the boom in subscriptions in publishing is still relatively new. So going back six years, when I, when I joined Dow Jones is, is not very long in, in terms of, the, 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 in terms of time, but it, it is in subscriptions. And um, I think back then, you know, the context of subscription of, of, of subscriptions was that there's lots of data, you know, this big, big data, big data trend, you know, was, was kind of there. Um, you know, you knew a lot or, or a little about, you knew a little about a lot of people, right. Um, as a, as a publisher. And I think that what we've, what we saw as an opportunity quite early on was that, you know, that this is actually just a, uh, you know, seams of gold that you can, with the right type of talent and, you know, uh, in terms of data science means that you could probably start creating a lot more science to what you do by mining, by mining that big data, using machine learning models to help, um, you know, provide, uh, you know, good, good decisions. A good, an example of that would be um, our paywall like works on a propensity model. So we can, we, we effectively just, we, we predict whether you're going to subscribe or not when you visit um, based on a whole bunch of different variables that allows us to kind of flex the experience. So, you know, knowing that Vin's, uh, you know, uh, a, a, an absolute advocate of the wall street journal coming every day, but you know, won't get his wallet out and pay, you know, we, we'll continue to keep asking Vin to pay for a subscription until he does. Um, whereas, you know, if, if someone else, you know, for, for those that visit the journal um, less frequently, you know, the, the propensity model would recognize that, you know, you're unlikely to pay and therefore sampling will become a bigger part of the experience. So that's really where kind of big data meets, 
um, you know, machine learning meets application of machine learning meets paywall. So that that is an that that didn't exist, you know, six years ago, and and that's that's a good example, I suppose, of of science over art. Carl, I want to talk about it. In our industry, we are seeing a resurgence in direct mail, or you know, in in essence, print in, in, in a way, right? People are at home business executives are at home and a good mail piece is really doing the job and it makes a lot of people in our industry happy. I want to talk about the future as far as the consumption of, of news is. is. Is print media dead? Because let me ask, you know, the, the actual print. For me, when I do read, I, I well, it makes AJ laugh. We <laughs> was a joke on the show. It's like you know, I do read AJ. I, I promise. So I, I like a, I like print. I like a book. I like a newspaper. I will pick up the Wall Street Journal. I will read that. So talk to me about that. The future of consumption and and is print dead? Um. So uh, so two questions. That uh, is print dead? No, absolutely not. Um, I think there's there's, there's going to be a thriving market for print for for years to come. Um, and as I said before, you know all trends come with a counter trend, right? So for for every extra minute that you're going to spend, you know, attached to to Netflix or to a Zoom call, you know, there's probably going to be a counter trend somewhere that that drives people into you know the enjoyment of of analog. Vinyl records would be a good example of that, right? Um, and so, so no, it's definitely it's definitely not 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 dead. Um, I think as a print as a publisher, there is um, kind of uh, pressure being put on the distribution chain of of print. It's it's getting harder to to serve, you know, such a wide and vast geography that is the United States of America, um, and and supply chain issues, you know, is 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 something that's not not helping our our industry. Um, but yeah, there's in terms of consumer demand, there's 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 100% enough consumer demand to to, to keep um, us us going. Um, I think to answer your second part of the question, the future of of, of news. Um, if if I got my crystal ball, you know, my crystal ball out, um, and I would say that you know some of the trends that are driving the future of news, I probably think of it as twofold. One, kind of a proliferation of formats, right? So you know, news was always started as text, right? And then it, you know, progressed into, um, into, into images, you know, video and audio. In some respects, like those four, those four ways of form of, of consuming news have always existed. But now for a publisher, you kind of have to think about all four in the context of what would have been a newspaper, right? So, um, you know, and, and you've, you've got arguably distinct audiences that want, every, you know, some want everything, some just want one part of that format and some want others. So there's definitely, uh, it's definitely getting um, more, more complicated in terms of, you know, what format you publish on. Um, but obviously audio and video would be, you know, 100% things that are going to be here to stay that, that we, you know, will continue to embrace. Um, and then you've also got then kind of uh, an increase in consumption channels. You know, like if if we're going back to to, to, to newspapers, what was the what was the main competitor of a newspaper? Probably the radio, right? Or a, or a, or a TV news event um, a channel. But now, you know, there's so there's been so much um, kind of proliferation in consumption channels. Whether that's Google News, it's Apple News Plus, Substack. Facebook, Twitter, you know, you, you've just got a, a whole long, um, you know, tail of, of, of ways to consume news. 
that it kind of puts more emphasis, I guess, on the publisher to have a, a really, you know, a, excuse my language, but a shit hot, you know, owned and operated platform that that actually the experience is 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 as much of a reason you want to subscribe as the actual journalism itself. And I think that's where I guess publishers probably hold a still hold a, an upper hand, maybe on on some of the you know other kind of um, aggregator type platforms where you know you're not going there for the experience you're going there to you know to basically peruse a news headline yeah. no it's an interesting look about the, the future there and carl i want to the passion about what you do comes through i want to talk about what are some uh, favorite things about your job some we rarely ask on this podcast but i mean you know what curious to hear what, what are some of your favorite aspects of your work I mean, so whenever I ask this question, I always start with, with with the fact that I get paid to read the news every day, um, which is is one hundred percent a perk and and a privilege. You know, you you end up becoming more, um, I guess, more worldly. You know, and of your understanding of what's happening in the world because you know the the news is your product, and you got to know your product in order to be able to market it and then get someone to pay for it. So, number one, without a shadow of a doubt, is um, you know being able to actually, you know, being having a passion, I mean, I have a passion for news anyway, and this just fuels that passion. Um, so that's the num number one. Um, I think secondly, you know, I am a bit of a nerd when it comes to subscriptions. Um, I, I find it a fascinating industry. Um, it's a growing industry. Uh, and it's an industry, I think, that's still got a long way, a lot of runway, you know, in terms of its maturity and its sophistication. And that blend, uh, we talked before, but that blend of art and science where, you know, publishing is so much about, um, you know, feel and gut instinct and, and what and the science part helps, you know, kind of make that make that gut instinct and um, that that feel kind of even more even more um, effective, I suppose. So yeah, I, I like I like the art and the science. I like the the nerdiness of of, of the science part of that. And um, yeah, I mean, and the news industry is there's, there's never a dull day in news, right? It, it changes every day. So. Remind me if we did a dad's trivia night. I know who I'm going with. My man Carl, who reads the news every day. So that's it. I have the upper hand now. Well, Vin, my, my wife and I, who you know, you know, Helen, um, we yeah. do a, we, we do the the Times of London's quiz, uh, yeah, most days and, and every Saturday, and we go up against my parents, and I, I, I like to say we're on a winning streak at the moment. So, Mum and Dad, you got to you got to start doing a bit more reading of your news because we're we're beating you because they'll be tuned I, into this. They love, love they love it. this podcast. <laughs> I, I love it. I will not have so if we did a couples night. I'm not going against you and Helen. My wife's knowledgeable. I'll give her a shout out. She doesn't listen to the podcast. But anyway, it's, yeah, that's good to know. It's, uh, you know, AJ, you were my former partner. Carl's my new one. Now uh, we're good. <laughs> well, with a, a title like Chief Subscription Officer, you expect him to be good at trivia. <laughs> uh, so, Carl, what's been, you've been at uh, Dow Jones for quite a while. Now, what's been kind of a shining uh, moment or a highlight for you? Um, I guess in the more uh, the more recent more recent time, um, I think how we, I guess, um, adapted to um, working from home, and uh, you know, it was a it was one of those experiments, wasn't it? Where you know, most experiments you have a what a con you know your control group of 
you know, um, you know, 90% and a test group of 10%, whereas the pandemic was almost the flip side of that, right? Where kind of suddenly everyone went into the test group, everyone was working from home. And I think we've, yeah, proven that as a organization, you know, that we can, we can function um, remotely, which is not something that's in the necessarily previously in the DNA of a news company, right? So much of that is about, you know, interaction and being with people. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of proud of the, the, my organization, but also of my team in terms of how um, how we did that. Um, I think also in more recent history, we we launched a new subscription business during um, you know during the last uh, two years. So Market Watch, um, which is uh, one of our consumer brands, um, we launched as a uh, to start with really just as an experiment <laughs> to see whether you know there is that there was a value in in it from a from a paid subscription perspective and. Fast forward a year, and you know that's doing um, in, in incredibly well uh, as a as a subscription business. And then I guess going further afield, you know, going back a few more years, I referenced it before, but I think the advancements in our in our paywall um, our paywall strategy and in you know the product the paywall product that we've effectively created, you know, using big data, using machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, to to, to kind of power the our consumer brands is is definitely a a highlight that that you know a lot of us share at, at Dow Jones. Scroll one of our signature question um, is based on the fact that because of your title, we assume you get a lot of unsolicited messages. So what we'd love to know is you know what's a message that gets your attention and what's like a pet peeve that uh, really makes you mad when you, you get an email or a LinkedIn message like that. Pet peeve's an easy one spell my name with a C and there's no way you'll get a response. You know, mum and dad named me Carl with a K for a reason. <laughs> and and they purposely did not choose Carl with a C. So no offense to anyone, any Carl's out there with a with a C, but you know, if you call me with a C, you won't get a response. Um, so yeah, I think that's the, that's the pet peeve. Um, in terms of what, what catches my attention, I, I think, you know, relevancy. Um, so, you know, when someone has obviously done, um, you know, a bit of digging beyond, you know, just who's who you're connected with on your your LinkedIn profile, um, an understanding of what, you know, if it's marketing, you know, an understanding of what that campaign is, and, you know, what role they could see, you know, x product or service could could help enhance. Um, I think now, we probably all receive so many cut and paste you know, cut and paste jobs that you can kind of see through a cut and paste job. And, you know, the, the, wor the worst of the worst is when you say to your colleague, oh, you know, I got something through from so-and-so on LinkedIn. And they said, oh, yeah, I got exactly the same message. They just changed my name and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and sent it to us both. That's, that's probably the biggest no-no for me. Uh, Carl, we have uh, talking to you before and our, our producing team. I'd love to understand the customer bow tie. Talk to me what that is. Yeah, the customer bow tie is, is kind of a, a funnel um, put on its put on its side. Um, and what we didn't like about the funnel is that the funnel only really kind of talked to acquisition. So you know how you acquire customers. The bow tie um, is is kind of a reflection of the customer journey that people go on to become a subscriber, and then you know their their life cycle beyond the point of purchase. So on the left-hand side of the bow tie is kind of your traditional funnel, your you know how you attract audiences, how you drive consideration. The middle of the bow tie is the conversion point. That's effectively our you know our paywall, our, our shop pages, and, and and how we turn interest into into sales. 
And then as you go out on the other side of the bow tie, um, we put a lot of emphasis on onboarding customers. So, you know, what's your experience from the point that you've said, yes, I'd like a subscription, please. What are the, you know, how do we make it easy for you to then start exploring the, the different parts of, of our product that, that, you know, you've now got access to. So big emphasis on welcome and onboarding. Um, and then we've got kind of in-life engagement. So how do we, um, you know, what are the prompts that we need to put out into, in, in, into the customer base that will drive, you know, more, more engagement through then all the way through to what we call retain. So, you know, what do we do at the point when someone you know, wants to cancel and, and the cancellation journey and, and process? And in some respects, when you think about when we look at the customer bow tie, it's also kind of a reflection of how we structure ourselves too. So we have kind of expertise in different parts of the customer bow tie um, within within the team, kind of really obsessing about you know different parts of that of that customer journey. I love that. I love that. Another first on the marketing stir, Carl. One more marketing question, and then we want to get into some uh, personal stuff. Personal questions. This is about what you like to do personally. That question always scares people when I say it. But uh, talk to me about how do you lean into trust in your marketing. Um, yeah, I, I mean, as I said, trust is kind of a key, um, a key pillar, right, of what we, of, of what we do. It's a, it's a, it's a key pillar of, um, of, of our, of our journalism. Um, our, our translation of that is um, trust your decisions, which is the, kind of the campaign that's out in the, out in the world at the moment for the, um, for the, for the Wall Street Journal. Um, and, and I think what I, what I like, what I like about that campaign is that it's both timely because it's timely now given you know what's going on in the world but it's also timeless right i think that you know regardless of whether you're in a pandemic or not you know decision making is at the heart of what human beings do and being an information source to help people make the right decisions trust is really at the the, the, the forefront of that um and i think that's as relevant for our consumer brands as it is for our for our professional brands so yeah, tr trust is 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 really the, the the foundation to all of that. I love it. And so, Carl, you know, you're here in New York City with me uh, as well. So, what do you like doing in your spare time for fun? Some of your hobbies? Well, I guess given my experience on Saturday evening, which um, for for those that are, are listening, and we had the privilege of seeing um, Vin um, in his um, in his stand up uh stand-up role um so we went to a comedy club and and watch vin um do his do his magic and so i suppose now i'd say that i'm uh I, i'm in the beginning of a of a comedy relationship and and going to uh you know making comedy nights a, a regular night out um but before saturday night my hobbies were uh playing playing golf badly um you know really <laughs> Golf's just an excuse for a nice walk, um, so that's that, that's something that I try and do in all of that free time that I have, which is not much. Um, and then, yeah, I, I like keeping fit. Um, I'm a sucker for Barry's boot camp. Um, you'll see me plodding up and down the West Side Highway, um, running here in in New York City. Um, and uh, and yeah, when I'm not doing that, I'm probably um, either either taking the kids swimming or, or being made to watch Frozen 2 for the 1500th time by <laughs> four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And you heard that here, AJ. Uh, Carl came to a show on Saturday, saw me. I, I was like, if he, I, I wonder if Carl will bring it up. If he does, I know it'll get a smile out of AJ because he never believes it. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, Carl. 
Uh, this has been awesome. We really appreciate your time on the Marketing Stir podcast. Uh, thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, that is the Chief Subscription Officer for Dow Jones. And uh, Dow Jones, Wall Street Journal, Barron's, Market Watch. Check them out. That's Carl Wells. I'm Vincent Petrofessa. That's AJ Gupta. This has been another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. Thank you so much. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir at starista.com. And thanks for listening.